Hi, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I'm your host, Neil Rubenstein, and today I will be stuck in traffic, speaking with one of my favorite comedians, Charles McBee. Yo. What's good? What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Good, man. Chilling. How you doing? I'm pretty good. Thank you for uh, doing this. No doubt. Are you from here originally? No, I'm from uh, I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Born and raised. Uh, when did you uh, When did you come to New York? I I came here. I came to New York in '07. Uh, like yeah, right before Obama got in office. <laughs> and I started, uh, started the year Obama got elected. I was like, if a black dude could be president, then I can do. I can tell some dick jokes. <laughs> so you moved here for comedy? I mean, I moved here for acting, but after a year, uh, I was fuck acting, and then I just, I just uh, got into comedy and stayed with it ever since. And uh, well, you don't really do. You don't really do dick jokes. Nah, I mean, I, when I started, like, it was a little bit of, like, when you start comedy or start stand-up, you're pretty much just a bad impersonator of your whoever your favorite comic is at the time. So I was just doing a bad impression of, like, several different people. <laughs> and what, and some of them did dick jokes? I, yeah, it was an occasional dick joke. Well, like, and there's dick jokes, but then there's, like, like dick jokes from people that you admire, you know what I mean? Like Chappelle is brilliant, but then you'll he'll like also talk about like jerking off for like fifteen minutes. You know what I'm saying? So right, 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 right. It could go you either know, way. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Like even even my favorite comics do occasionally do like a jerk off or a dick joke. Like even like the best the best that there is, like Chappelle or. Or Louis C.K. or Bill Burr, they'll occasionally, yeah, you know, like Bill Burr started a special with a balls joke. Exactly. It's not. It's not about never doing a dick joke or never doing a fart joke or a sex joke. It's just, it's about the totality of what you bring to the stage. If you're known for a dick joke, a bad, a stupid dick joke, then that's different. But if you just happen to do them because they're funny, like. You can't deny that they're funny, so. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, good man, point. don't deny yourself a good dick joke, man. <laughs> uh, what brought you to it? Like, uh, so you say you started with acting, but when you were in Toledo, first of all, can we talk about Toledo for a second? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this would take a lot of 30 seconds. Dude, it's horrible there. Yeah, but only people from there can, like, really go into it. Oh, we get very I'm... defensive when outsiders are, like, because we, cause we are the quintessential punchline for comedians who do rogue, who have to do rogue gigs that they don't want to do. It's just like, oh, no, you know, one minute I'm in Madison Square Garden, and then the next thing you know I'm somewhere in 
at a funny bone in Toledo, Ohio, like some random, like that's the go-to random place that you say. It's either that or like Biloxi, Mississippi or some shit like that. That aside, all like all the jokes, all the 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 armpit of America jokes, forget those. Yeah. Toledo yeah. is genuinely a frightening place to be. <laughs> Have you been? I've been. I've spent the night on a couple of occasions and it's never comfortably. Never been like, Oh, this is like a nice neighborhood in Toledo. Like Always scary. Always this like is a, this is well. This is more interesting to me because like what like what the hell were you doing in Toledo? Well, I, I toured with rock bands for a while. Okay. So like there, you know, there's the occasional show in Toledo or in, in the surrounding area, gotcha. and because uh, like Ohio has a ton of decent sized cities, like it, you. You can make it's, a it's, it's an average. It's your it's your quintessential average, just middle of America, middle of the road town. Like it's no, it's not, it's not the it's not the smallest town you'll ever be in, but it's definitely not a big city. It's just it's just there. It's like it's split in half. You got white, black, and an occasional Asian. They happen by. <laughs> You know, like you go to the mall. That's your out. That's your night out. It's, if you're a kid growing, like growing up, if you're a teenager, you go to the mall. Like that's what you do. And you go and you grab some pizza and and you you go and hump somebody in in you know your mother's basement. Like that's like that's it. There there's house par- an abundance of house parties. There's no clubs and night like nightlife. You go, you buy liquor, and you go over to your friend's place, and you invite a bunch of people over and eat and, like, do drugs. Like, it's just it's just that type of – it's your Dawson's Creek meets whatever random, you know, towny TV show that you've ever watched. Yeah, there's, like, I mean, there's the good side of part of town. There's the bad part of town. It's like that. There is a good part of town? Oh, there's definitely a good part of town. Like, yeah, I didn't grow up in a trailer home. Like, there's – there's like, there's like, oh, like, there's like, if you're like, oh, where do you live? Oh, I live on the east side. Then you, even if this isn't true, you just automatically assume the person's like poor or like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, shit, east side. Or if you say, hey, you want to go to this party? It's on the east side. You're like, what the, like, what are you crazy? Why would I, why would I do that? Is this certain, certain parts of town, certain places you kind of associate with? Well, this, these types of people live over there, and these types of people live over here, and this is where you can hang out, and this is where you can't hang out. Even if it's not true, the, the, the assumption is still there. So when you're, like, growing up, you're like, oh, I have to get out of here, and and then you're like, well, what's a good reason to go? Or no, it was, you- it was, I was just, I have to get out of here. It's a, it's a, I always, uh, it's, it's, like I said, it's your classic, Growing up in a small town, you got people who can never imagine leaving, and then there's the people who can never imagine staying. There's really no in between. It's either, yeah, why would I ever leave? I got like my nine to five, and you know, 
I got a house and a car and like a girlfriend or whatever. Like, where where else am I gonna go? And then there's the people who are like, I can't spend another second here, or else I'm going to go insane. So and I that, felt that was yours. That, that was mine. Yeah. So did you know it was New York? Did you know it was acting, or did you think like, oh, I just gotta get out of here wherever the bus takes me? That's where I'm gonna stay. It was a little bit of of that. I, I went to school in Cincinnati for a couple years. Uh, got kicked out of there. Had to come back home, and it was the coming back home was like the last run. It was like because when I left to go to Cincinnati, even though it was still Ohio, Cincinnati is, is a vastly bigger town than Toledo, at least. You know what I mean? So if you're coming yeah. from Toledo to Cincinnati, then at least from that perspective. You're like, oh, this is a bigger city than what I'm used to, right? Obviously, coming from New York there is is ridiculous, but from the yeah, yeah. Cincinnati, is you're like, oh, this is <laughs> way bigger. So like, I was in Cincinnati for a few years trying to figure it out, but then like, I ran out of money and I I didn't have the excuse of going to like school anymore, and so I just kind of came back home and I was just like, I got it, this is it, I can't I can't do this anymore, and so. I was like, maybe I'll move to L.A. because I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I was like, I'll go to L.A. But then I was like, if I go to L.A., you're not really, you're not really respected if you're coming straight from, at least from what I thought, you're coming straight from Ohio. I was just like, let me go to New York and train. This is what this is all the shit I've learned on TV, by the way. Like, I didn't, there was no one sat me down. I, was just, I assumed this from, like, watching TV and, like, movies and shit because I was a big film nerd. So I would watch, like, a lot of, like, documentaries on, like, directors and shit like that. And so, and actors, and they all, like, were like, yo, I was trained in New York. I was trained in New York. All the best actors are trained in New York. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll just go to New York and, like, take an acting class, and then I'll move to L.A. And so I was like, yo, I just told my family, I was like, yo, like, I'm out. Like, I can't. I'm out. And literally a week later, uh, I, I went to, I moved to New York. And I was... And I ended up doing this two-year conservatory. It was like a two-year acting school. Um, and I did that for a year, and that was cool because, I mean, even though uh, I took out, like, like I have no thought. Like, I had to sell my soul to get this loan. Uh, but they put you up, and so for the first year, they put you up in, like, a dorm or whatever. So I could live here. I was able to just live here and go to school. I didn't have to, like, come here, find a place, et cetera, right. et cetera. So I was just kind of living off of loan money and leftover, like, loan money that I already had been taken out from college. And I just stayed here for a year and just went to acting school. And it was cool. It was, like, the it was the most insane, like, just amazing, you know, experience coming from where I came from to to here. Is the, is the getting kicked out of Cincinnati story uh, worth telling? Is it interesting or... I mean, it's nothing that, you know, John Hughes would make a movie about. It was just I went there <laughs> and never went to class. Like, I never went to, you know, I never went to class. So it was like, it was bound to happen. It was something that, I mean, it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a shock when I, when I, when my mom like called me and was like, yo, we just got a letter in the mail. I was like, oh, that, yeah, that was bound to happen. You know, I thought, <laughs> A mile away, so it was, yeah, it was just one of those things that was bound to happen. Was that your first time like away from home? 
Yeah, it was. That, no, that, that's just like a side effect of being unsupervised. You're just like, oh, I'm away. I'm just going to party and just hang out with people. Yeah. It was a, you know, the crazy thing about me is I would love to say that, like, I just went there and lost my mind. I really didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really just went, I really just wanted to be away from home. Like, I, you know, I, like, my, my growing up wasn't all that pleasant, we'll just say. Uh, my growing up, and so, like, just being away was enough. Like, I didn't go there and, like, wild the fuck out. I wasn't, like, doing, like, you know, snorting coke, coke and, and, and like, running, you know, just doing crazy shit. Like, it was just a normal, I was on campus, I kicked it, you know, whatever, but nothing crazy. I just didn't go to class. I didn't have any, there was no reason for me to be in college. It was one of those things that, you know, you, you, like, my, you grow up and you have, your parents are like, okay, you got to go to college now. And you're like, you've seen me since I was five. You know my school record. Like, you know I don't have study skills. Like, you watched me crawl out of high school. And, and it was like, yeah, but you're just supposed It's just something you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, growing up, I don't know how you grew up, but, like, it's just you're supposed to go graduate high school, now you have to go to college. That's just like a thing. It's not like now where people are more like, oh, well, what do you want to do? Or what's your, what would make you happy? Or I don't want you to, shouldn't go. College isn't that necessary if you don't really need it. Like when I was coming, when I was in high school, if you weren't going to college, even you would even get uh, uh, shitted on by your friends because it just meant, like, oh, you were dumb or you were going to be, like, working at McDonald's. So you at least wanted to get into a school just to make it seem like you had something of a future and you weren't looked at like just a dumb, you know, townie that was going to be working at the skating rink or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. your parents wanted to be able to brag about you and all that kind of stuff. Where people are like, oh, what is he doing now? They don't want to be like, oh, he's in my basement, you know, making YouTube videos. Yeah, for sure. It was, it's, it was, like, a little different here because, uh, like, I know how in, like, other parts of the country it's, like, college or you're stuck here, you're going to work at Ace Hardware. Yeah, like, exactly. Here, like, we did have the city close, so there were some other options. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. it was definitely, like, it was definitely, like, you have to go to, you have to, go to college. Like, you have to, you have to, you have to. And yeah, then, uh, yeah. There was no. Well, I'm gonna start up. Uh, you know, I'm gonna build an app, and then we're gonna raise capital. Like, no, there was yeah. no none of that. So yeah, I came here. I came to New York uh, after that, and then you know, that was it. Did you uh, did you come from a predominantly black neighborhood in Toledo? Uh, I I grew. I started out. It started out that way until I was about 10. And then we moved. It's funny. So from, from the time I was born until I was 10, we grew up in a, a predominantly black neighborhood. And, but when I was really little, the, that predominantly black neighborhood, it wasn't like a bad It was just predominantly black. Like I would go out as a kid, like a little kid. I could go out, you know, at night and go. we would go ride bikes. Like you could we'd go ride bikes around the corner, all that kind of stuff, and just out like no there was no hover what do they call them hover helicopter moms and all that kind of shit like there was none of that we just went out and played and that was it until the street lights came on and then once the street lights came on 
we had to play at least in front of the house or around the house. But like nobody cared where we were. Like we would, no one cared, you know, where right. we were. We were just out, and then we came home when it was time to eat when we got hungry. And so, but the closer, like maybe you know, around eight nine, things started to shift, and it started to get a little like I noticed I couldn't. Like Chris Rock has a great job. Uh, he goes, uh, you know, kid starts out, he can play around the block. But then as time goes on, he can only play in front of the house. By the time the kid's 12, he can only, like, just hop around in the circle in the front yard because the neighborhood is so shitty by then. Like, that's kind of how it was. By the time I was 10, it was just like, yo, I'm going to go outside. Like, it was like drive-bys and shit. So we ended up, my parents ended up moving us um, to the birds, uh, which was dope. Like, we moved to the suburbs. It was like a, like a proper cul-de-sac, like the whole nine, right? It was like American Beauty. Yeah, it was like it was like the, it was like American Beauty. It was like the whole it was like a whole different different thing. But then as we moved in, like we moved in. Here's the thing about my about Toledo or or Toledo slash Detroit, whatever. Our um, major one of our major job markets is a car company, Jeep company, Chrysler. Their plants are are there. So a lot of our job. Matter of fact, they left like a long time ago. Um, around the time I was in college, they ended up leaving, but now they're back. But that time that they left, it was like everything went to shit. We were like Flint, Michigan level. Like, it was crazy. Now they're back, so a lot of people are working. Anyway, the Jeep company, uh, historically, is not that way now, I don't think. I'm not sure. But historically, they you never needed a college degree to work there. So a lot of, like... Like um, like my friends' parents, like my black friends' parents, getting a lot of you know a lot of black people didn't go to college back in back in the day. They went straight from high school straight to work for the like the car companies or whatever, like the, the factories, and they paid great money. So you can make like what somebody coming out of college was making just going there and working at the Jeep. So around that time that we moved, and none of my parents worked there at the Jeep, but around the time that we moved. A lot of other black families started moving to these middle class um neighborhoods like these uh these um yeah these suburbs suburban neighborhoods and there was a lot of like white flight with that so like a lot of white neighborhoods were turning black, and a lot of the white people that lived in the neighborhoods were just moving further like further north or further like uh in town or i mean further away or whatever. Right, and like right, right. counties, you know, like other, you got like different counties and shit. Like, so they were moving to like another county. So I, so, so the neighborhood we moved into started out predominantly white, only a couple black families. But now you go there, and it's like a, it's pretty much like a black neighborhood. It's like a black suburban neighborhood. It would be like a mixed race school, and then you would slowly see all your white friends would be leaving, would be moving out. Yeah, it was. It was. It was weird. Like, um, you would go, you would go to, you would follow most of your, most of your friends you would follow throughout ever since from kindergarten. You would just go to the same school, depending on where you live. But then when we moved, that kind of changed. So I met like completely different friends, and there was definitely more white kids than there were black. But there was enough black kids there where you kind of like you had your group of black friends, right? Like this is like tenth grade or whatever. You just had, like, your group of black friends that you hung out with. But then when I went to junior high school, 
Where I'm from, we have like a like a proper like junior high, like an entire separate school. I think they might have combined it now. But back then, it was like you would the elementary schools, kindergarten through sixth, and then junior high was seventh through eighth. Like two years, you just spent two years at a separate school, then you went to high school. So my, my junior high and high school were still predominantly uh, black because they were enough in the city, and by the in the uh, there were enough in the city that it was still predominantly black. And a lot of the uh, more white kids they went to more private schools anyway. Like the public schools were predominantly uh, black and Latino anyway. It's weird to me to think of natural segregation. Yeah. Like how yes, we man. just like are, are the it's like it's I guess it's like I guess it's kind of upsetting, like, so white parents are just shelling out the extra money to keep their kids from having to coexist with black Oh, it's correct. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at the, I mean, when you just look at reality and look at the evidence, that's pretty much the conclusion. That's pretty, yeah, what it is. It doesn't sound nice, but that's pretty much what it was. Like, even to the point where... One of the schools, like a couple of the private schools, so like the private schools in, in the, there were a couple of private schools, like, you know, still in the city, you didn't have to go way out. But a lot of those private schools, you know, they would have, um, like, scholarship programs and, like, minority scholarship programs and stuff like that, right? Because they wanted to, like, more, they, they, it's not, it's no, it's no longer popular to be known as the all-white private school. Like, that doesn't look good. So right. they would have a lot of incentives to to to, to make it more um, diverse. However, you would once they would do that, then you would see like a lot of the white kids like just moving to different private schools. Like it was weird. It well, was weird. Even, even that though, it's like they're hand selecting. Like, okay, this black person is okay. This, this yeah. is an OP black person. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not like opening the the, the doors. Like, oh yeah, everybody's welcome. They're saying yeah. like, okay, we'll give exactly. a scholarship to one really white seeming black kid, and yeah, we'll yeah, pick yeah. that black kid. We'll pick him ourselves because we don't want. You know, we want to make sure that his dad doesn't embarrass us at the meetings, and you know, right, like. Right. Dude, that's, yeah, man. Uh, it's like it was, so, such a bum out. It was them. It would be like, yeah, it would be like that kid and then the basketball team. <laughs> that would be like. Oh, the, right, because they, they have to compete, right? They have to compete in sports. Yeah, yeah, they got to compete in sports. I mean, so. Right, so the, the, the two wide receivers, probably a running back, definitely a defensive tackle. Right. Ugh. Yeah, man. Did you did you notice it at all? Like, cause you, I mean, you're not like a like your comedy is not like racially charged at all. Like, you're just you know, you just you just write smart jokes. You're not like just, does that did that affect you at all? Like, growing up, just seeing it or that you know what? To be honest, like it affected me more so after I left than than growing up. Growing up. You're just trying to figure it out. Like, I never, 
it was never something I really sat down and really, and really analyzed growing up. You know what I mean? You're just trying to, you're just living. You're trying to, you're still trying to get laid. Like that's not, yeah. you know what I mean? The racial breakdown wasn't like the top list of priorities when I was like 15. I was just like trying to see as much vagina as I possibly could and failing yeah. miserably at it. Like that's <laughs> what you care about. I don't want to get like beat up for my Jordans and I want to hopefully like see a vagina, uh, by promise. <laughs> <laughs> so when I get home with two sneakers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's that's exactly it. That's all I cared about at the time. But yeah, after but at once I left, it, probably college. Like even though I didn't go to class, I pretty much learned a lot just socially and uh, about uh, everything. The time I spent away in Cincinnati and just on that campus and like, um, because I was still like, I've always been, um, I was never been a good student. I've always been very smart, but I could never prove it on paper. You look at my transcripts, they say the opposite, but I've always yeah. seek knowledge and I've always keep things and studied on my own. Um, you know, I would go this, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I would go to the library, the public library and, you know, read on different things that I found interesting. And, and, you know, I, I would watch doc, I still, I'm a documentary junkie, but like back then before Netflix and it was so available or go to the video store and check out in the library and check out documentaries and, all that kind of stuff. So I, I was aware of things, but but more so once I got to college, that's when I started really breaking down like how things work in in society and the world and stuff like that. And it's it's funny like my comedy now, even even though even the way we talk about that, it's funny like I have tons of I have tons of racial material, but none of it. I would none of it I've ever done in places that you've probably seen me at for that very reason because I'm I'm usually walking this this line of because because of the places <laughs> I predominantly perform at right I'm seeing you with the white a lot of white people yeah exactly huh. uh, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah man yeah. So I was like, all right, do I really bring up Black Lives Matter tonight on the Saturday night at this premier comedy club where these people, with 300 white people who just came out for their anniversary? Like, is this really what I'm about to do right now? And then risk me, like, not being booked back here again? Or should I save this for Mocha? It's like, you know, you got to walk. It's a weird balancing act. I, I talk to it a lot. I talk about this a lot with some of my other homies that go through the same thing in the, in this business. It's a side of it I'll never, ever see or understand. You know, like, I'm a white guy. I'm just, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see the tiny little nuances that everyone else sees because it never affects me. Right, right. Like, like every crowd to me is the same. It's Right. 
And every crowd like, is probably a crowd of your peers, too. Like, you look out and you see yourself. Or not yourself, but you see, like, oh, yeah, I, get, I know these people. These are, like, it's just a crowd. But, but even, even if it's a group of black people, like, even if it's, like, a predominantly black audience, I still am like, oh, well, they, they see what I look They know I'm a white guy. You know what I mean? There's no, like, right. You, do, do, I, but do you ever okay. look at a black audience and go, I I feel like killing in front of a black audience or killing in black rooms is a, you, you leave with a sense of pride, right? Because you killed a black room. Well, that's, that sounds terrible, by the way. But you like, comedically, <laughs> comedically killed a black room. Yeah, because... Your white Aryan nation, your, your pride comes out because you murdered a black <laughs> And you goose, you goose step out of the fucking venue. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you walk away with a sense of pride because you did well. But you don't necessarily... Well, but, yeah, I walk away with a sense of white pride, yeah. With a sense of white pride. <laughs> this no, is amazing, uh... by the way. This is amazing. This is the clip you used to promote this episode. I just want you to know that. Uh, well, Charles McBee uh, accused me of being a Nazi. Well, that was fine. No, I. I mean, I get. I guess. But my point uh, is, is my no. My bigger point is, you for black rooms like you'll walk away with like yo. For any black, black comic, white comic, doesn't matter. You walk from black room, you and you and you did well. You're like, yo, you you have a sense of pride because you know those are hardest rooms. However, those are not the rooms that may necessarily determine your career, unless you're just predominantly doing black room, like you know. But there's no like Def Jam anymore. There's no comic. There's no black room yeah. trajectory as far as the mainstream rooms or quote unquote white rooms or alt rooms or whatever you want to call it, those are more like, hey, you want to get a comic to watch? You want to get a half hour? You want to get a on this bloggy blog top ten comedians you schmucky schmuck never heard of? You got to do these rooms, right? And in these rooms, certain things might kill, certain things might not. So you, it's, there's a lot of that. And a lot of those rooms are just predominantly white rooms. Like, there's no getting around it. It's just, it's just the way it is. I will say that I I appreciate more when a black person comes up to me after a show and is like, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, but in the same way that, like, you know, the first time a black person said, I appreciate you, fam, to me. I was like, oh, I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. like, it's not like a, it's not like a marker of success. It's just like a little like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'm one of the good ah, white people. <laughs> and, but like then react totally racist-ish. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, by, by, Noticing by noticing that it was a, a you know a, a a black thing occurred. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. That's hilarious. Uh, makes me worse. Uh, I don't know where this was going. As uh, oh yeah, so do you feel like do you feel like and uh, 
I don't, I don't think this, so don't take this question like I'm saying it, but, uh, like, do you feel that that's selling out at all if you aren't doing things that are true to yourself because you want to exist in, uh, in a white world as well? Well, absolutely. There's no, there's no. Yeah, absolutely. There's no getting out of that. No, there's a. But I feel like there are, and this goes. This isn't even a race thing, but there are degrees to selling out, right? Yeah. In my opinion, they're selling out in the sense of selling out your race or your or things that uh, you hold dear to you or principles, certain principles that you will hold dear to you. For for example, I, no matter what the crowd, I don't, like, yeah, I get up in front of predominantly white crowds or whatever, but I'm never up there pandering. Like, I'm, I don't sell out as a, as a black man. I don't sell out as a comic. Those are my two rules, right? So I don't, so I'm never pandering and I'm never purposefully making um trying to make them comfortable with me or comfortable with me being black. However, do I filter my most rawest uh thoughts to 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 fit the room? Like do I basically still try and say what I want? but maybe try and say it in a way that's not so jarring that they'll still be able to laugh because my job as a comic is to make people laugh and not just beat right. them over the country with shit. Yeah, I'll do that. You know what I mean? But yeah. and, to, and and is there a part of me that feels like, uh, oh, you should just be, you fucking pussy, you should just say how it is. Like, you're like, uh, yeah, there's a part of me that's that, but then there's a part of me that's like, I also fucking want a career, so... Yeah. Plus, you know what I mean? Plus, I feel like, uh, and I don't know if I'm like being an apologist, but it's also a little bit of shooting yourself in the foot. So let's say you went into these rooms, like let's say you, you were at Gotham on a Saturday night and you did like a completely racially charged thing that didn't land. Right. And then you can't get back in there and then you yeah. can't succeed as an artist. And then one day you can do that on a much larger platform. You know what I mean? Like, Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're, you're the revolutionary militant comic that never gets booked now, but you but you kept your principles, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, you yeah, know, no, it, 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 it feels like, a policy. It feels, God, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, my principle is, you know, you do what you need to do within reason, uh, but you do what you need to do until you don't have to anymore. You, you, it's a, it's, right. check, it's not checking. It's like it feels apologist. Uh, to say it, you know, like, well, I, I, I don't know. I feel, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what am I, like, I going to say? Are you feeling white guilt bubble guts? What's going on here? Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, it's just like, what am I going to say to 20 people? You know what I mean? Like, what, like, I, uh, I think you've got. Here's the thing. I, I'm fascinated by. I'm fascinated by two things when it comes to my white friends, right? I'm fascinated by white guilt, and I'm fascinated by white privilege. Uh, and I'm also fascinated about how uncomfortable white people are at talking about both those things, because I 
always like I have a like I tell people all the time. I make my friends tell me about white my white friends tell me about white privilege like they're reading me a bedtime story. Like I love to hear stories about it. <laughs> that makes you kind of racist. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Unapologetically racist, and that's great. You know, I, I want like like because I I watch I watch people go through like deal with white guilt at, at times where they really should not be dealing with it. I'm like a lot of times black we okay white people go you like really shouldn't be feeling guilty right now like it's okay you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't feel. Time. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm not. I, I don't know. I feel like white guilt is uh, is used inappropriately because I don't feel I don't feel guilty about being white. I feel guilty about not doing enough to help forward progress. It's not. It's not like the. It's not the whiteness that makes me feel uncomfortable. It's the can I be doing more. Like, is there something else? Like, should I should I get into fist fights on the street to forward uh, culture, like cultural, uh, uh, I guess unbiases? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. should I? Like, am I gonna? Am I gonna spend? Can I spend more time, or should I be spending more time calling out people I know on their unconscious biases? Like, or does that, or does that defeat itself? Because. If that's all I do, then I'm no fun to be around, and people stop listening to you altogether. Right. Like I do it now and then. I'm like, uh, I think what you just did is racist, or uh, I think I don't think we can say that, you know. But on the other hand, it's like, well, if that's all I'm doing, then I'm again defeating. It's, it's I'm shooting it in the foot, and then by saying like, oh, I'm shooting in the foot, like now am I apologizing for not doing it, like? So it's not the it's not the white it's not white guilt it's it's just guilt uh, guilt yeah it's yeah it's just it's just regular old uh, Jew guilt just Lip. Jew guilt <laughs> <laughs> the most rarest and pure that's funny but yeah I don't know man like and then and then also I like making jokes so I try to like not do certain things and say certain things that might be misconstrued as an indictment on a culture or a race. But on the other hand, like, well, it's talking about somebody being late. You know, I'm using a white person as an example, but if they're going to immediately assume it's black people, uh, do I not make this joke? I don't You know, I don't know how to... Yeah, but at, at some point, I feel like you gotta not, you can't be responsible for everyone else's perceptions, thoughts, conclusions, assumptions. Like, you just gotta, you make whatever point you're trying to make, you make it as clear as possible. And then, however, people take it is how they take it. Otherwise, you're gonna be apologizing for, you know, saying right. the word, duh. And it's, 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 <laughs> right, right. Saying you guys to a group of men and yeah. women. Like how? Yeah. Exactly. How dare I? How dare I? Yeah, it's just you can't. I don't like. Like I don't. I I, I never go down that um that slippery slope. It's just. 
You say what you mean. You try to be as clear as possible. And if, and, and if I do say, like, here's the thing with me. I try to be as uh, enlightened as possible. As far as, like, what's going on socially, all right, we're not saying this. Is this the new wave? Everybody, we're not saying this anymore? All right. No more retard? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the least I can yeah. do is stop saying it. Okay, sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, yeah, that's, that's how I am. I'm just, I'm more, I'm not so uh, anti-establishment that I'm like, no, I'm going to say faggot and retard. Because that's what, like, no, if that's what we're doing, all right. But I'm also not so uh, scared that if that if one blogger, you know, gets upset that I, I, I'm just not going to say anything. Like, no, there's a balance. It's like, all right, I'll check yeah. in. Hey, what's going on, guys? Is this still, we still saying this? All right, fine. And then just, <laughs> just say do your thing. <laughs> Are we still saying this? Yeah. Is this all right? Is this right? All right. Uh, I love that idea. <laughs> Just make a I list of words that you're like, eventually I won't be able to say this word anymore, but in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Is this the word? Is midget expired yet? No. <laughs> No, we can still say all right. All right, what a group of midgets. And, uh... Yeah, I gotta say midget. I gotta get midget in my special before uh, it expires. So I want. I'm gonna do it now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how it is, man. Uh, on uh, yeah, on that note, man. Thank you so much, Charles. Thanks for doing this. This is uh, great. Uh, I think you're an amazing comic. I think your your uh, your videos on Instagram are hilarious and uh, poignant, and I think more people I hope more people watch them. And, thanks, uh, man. Yo, thanks for doing. Thanks for taking the time, man. I, I hope to see you soon. Appreciate it, man. Hope you find a good parking spot. Jerk, Neil.